Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? Max, I'm excited. You could not be more excited. We got a guest. Yes, we do. Episode 58. Uh, of the Max and Tony yeah. show. And for the last 30 years, um, every time I pick up the Rolling Stone, I look for one byline. Uh, that of Anthony DeCurtis. Um, I've been reading him. My musical education. I have a few deans that I, that I go to regularly. Um, Mr. DeCurtis, Greg Cott. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm just beside myself and gobsmacked that we're able to get him. Right. He's written a review of our friend. Uh, uh, he's written a biography of our friend Lou Reed. Right. Yeah. Which you know, it, it came out a year ago when we were in Paris shooting Patriots. Yeah. So, so we we sort of over we overlooked we missed it, it and missed and, uh, it. Yeah. And I feel bad about that because uh, Anthony DeCurtis is one of my favorite music writers in all of music history. Mr. DeCurtis, welcome. Oh, that's a lovely introduction. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to be talking to you guys. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm actually a little nervous. You know, and I, <laughs> I've, I'm. I'm never nervous around like movie stars or stuff. But man, I've been. And reading you're not you. even in the room, man. You, yeah, exactly. You're shaking exactly. right now. I'm kind of, kind of gushing a little yeah. bit. You know. No need for that. No yeah. need for that. This will be fun. But um. I'm I'm really fascinated by uh, your biography of Lou. I, I met Lou in 1992 at the Behesta Pendulette. Ah, nice, yes. I'd made a little etching because he said he was going over to see Lou Reed. And I said, hey, you know, bring this to him. I've been a fan. I'm one of those guys. I worshiped at three churches, you know, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, and Lou Reed. And, um, yep. uh, yeah, that's kind of the Mount Rushmore of m- my music. Um, mm-hmm. So... He brought Lou this little etching of a red-winged blackbird called Iago's bird, and uh, Lou called me up. He just, you know, come on over. I, you know, I want to meet you. And I got to go over to Sister Ray, and, uh, you know, he was my friend for 20 years. I miss him every day. And um, I've read a lot about your book, and I just ordered it uh, two days ago on Amazon. Again, you know. I was out of the country for a lot of last year, or I would have devoured this by now. Um, well, you know, it's still, uh, you know, it's still in action. You know, you, there's plenty of time. Uh, oh, absolutely. We're going to sell like, some. Uh, good. You know, I think that, um, you know, I mean, first of all, in terms of your art situation, obviously, I mean, everybody's got their work lives. Everybody's got a lot going on, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I really, I feel... What I tried to do with this book, I mean, I built it to last. I mean, I, I, you know, worked on it hard, and I really wanted it to be something that, um, you know, wouldn't just be, you know, one news cycle that, you know, mm-hmm. over time people could keep coming back to it to, you know, find out and, and learn about Lou and discover his life and his music. And so, you know, the fact that uh, that on an ongoing basis, you know, people are reading him, and to me that's that's a pleasure. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that that, that uh, you'll be digging into it soon. Well, I'm very happy. In one of the reviews I read, um, <clears throat> it goes into this conversation uh, about the Berlin record. And yeah. in the 20 years that I knew Lou, uh, I, I was around him a lot when he ran into fans or, or people who appreciated him. And uh, when they'd bring up Berlin. 
he would always kind of not so much engage uh, in conversation about that particular record. And he seemed to have really opened up to you. Well, I think, um, you know, I knew Lou pretty well. You know, we, um, you know, I, I interviewed him a half dozen times. You know, I see him around town all the time, mm-hmm. and, you know, run into him. He, you know, had to do something like a public interview that he invited me to do with him and uh, Hal Wilner. In fact, when the Berlin movie came out, that's what yeah. it was for. And, um, I think he trusted me, you know, uh, there's a sense in which some of that had to do, I think with just, um, uh, you know, I have a literary background. I think that's what Lou, I think Lou ultimately thought of himself as a writer. Oh yeah. He identified with other writers in a big way. And, uh, you know, the fact that I, you know, got that, that I, I teach writing and, you know, and, and I think, the way I wrote about his work, I think, appealed to him. You know, there's, you know, the photographer Mick Rock, who was uh-huh. a good friend of Lou's and was introduced to him by David Bowie. Um, uh, you know, Mick took a lot of iconic shots of both of those guys, yeah. Bowie and Lou Reed. And in the early days, you know, Bowie said about Mick Rock, he goes, Mick sees me the way I see myself. Huh. And I feel like in my writing about Lou, I think Lou saw the version of himself that mm. he wanted. Well, he trusted he trusted you, and, and believe me, that was a very tall fence to get over with Lou Reed. <laughs> he was not crazy about That's journalists. True, yeah. You know, in yeah. fact, I, I told him once that early on, uh, I'd, I'd given an interview about my artwork, and and it, it, it kind of I kind of got uh, you know ambushed a little bit, and Lou yeah. said. Look, you're under when a guy's trying to make you look like an asshole, you're no under no obligation to help him. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's and and that yeah. that that little bit of information coming from Lou kind of helped me navigate. You know. Well, it's an interesting phenomenon, though. I mean, it's something that I thought about a lot. Um, you know, there's a sense. You know, I could un- you know I could understand a lot of um, you know a lot of pop artists or artists who were really popular, but mm-hmm. you know critics don't like them. I can understand those people not liking critics, but in Lou's career, certainly early on, you know, with yeah. the Velvet Underground, and then you know in his solo career throughout, it was journalists and musicians, of course. I mean, who were his audience? Were his yeah. mm-hmm. who loved him? Lester Bangs started out loving Lou Reed. Exactly. And like, you know, he had a number of great champions in the press. And so I would, you know, I mean, look, we all know, I mean, journalists can be jerks like anybody else. Yeah. There's no question about that. But I always wondered, like, what was, um, you know, what it was that got under Lou's skin, you know, so much. And I think part of it, it was something that really happened, like, later in his career, you know. And I think once he got clean... I think he looked at a lot of the stuff that he did and said and kind of was a little embarrassed by it. You know, and I think he he would never say that. But I think he felt, I mean, he said to me one time, he goes, you know, look, people ask you about interviews that you did, you know, 30 years ago. And, you know, who knows what kind of condition you were in or what you, yeah. you know, and I think that kind of I thing. I know that feeling. You know, Lou was a guy who liked, <laughs> yeah, well, certainly. Lou was a guy who liked control, you know, yeah. and I think. 
when he felt that kind of ebbing away, you know, he would snap. And, you know, a lot of journalists felt that whip for sure. Yeah, I think sometimes also, um, I, I never saw him break bad on a journalist. My son Max uh, was five years old when he met Lou Reed. Yeah, I don't, I don't really recall it, but I, I apparently wrestled him. To you the wrestled ground. him to the yeah. ground, uh, Lou. Yeah, y- you met playful you, Lou. Yeah, you know, right, I mean, right. And uh, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, very positive. It, uh, Anthony, when when did you do? You, can you recall like the first moment you you met Lou and had like a genuine conversation with him and and all of that? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I can. Um, it was in 1995 okay. when the um, when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened in Cleveland. I was working. I worked for a year at VH1. Um, okay. Oh yeah. And I was. Uh, I was I was there to cover the opening of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Lou performed. He was back by Soul Asylum. They did Sweet Jane. It was yeah. great. Oh, right on. And um, the next day, though, uh, you know, the next morning, which I seem to recall was a Sunday, everybody was, you know, leaving Cleveland, and the weather wasn't good, so planes were delayed. And I was at the airport, you know, wondering when I was going to be able to get out, and I ran into a guy named Jeff Gold, who was oh my God, that's executive. a <laughs> That's the guy who and, hired me to do the Neville Brothers album cover, Yellow Moon. Oh, is that right? Oh, God. Whoa. You did that? Yeah. I didn't know that, man. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. It's a beautiful record, too, but, man, you... Oh, it's phenomenal. lovely. God, it's gorgeous. But, um... Uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm in Neville's world. Let me get back to Lou. Uh, we, uh, you know, Jeff introduced me. He was with, he was there with Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson. Uh-huh. So he introduced me. Um, I had met Laurie one time before, but, you know, he introduced me to them. And, you know, we had the kind of conversation you have when you kind of become friends with somebody and have to wait for three hours in an airport yeah. lounge. You know, we were just talking about, um, uh, you know, Lou recognized my byline, and he said, you reviewed the New York album, right? Yeah. And I said, yeah. And he said, how many stars did you give it? And I said, four. And he goes, should have been five. (laughs) (laughs) He was joking around, and it was like loose, you know? I mean, it was kind of a nice advantage for me that it it was an informal situation. It It was organic. yeah, well, yeah, it was just we're at the airport, man. Like, either mm-hmm. we're going to be friends or we're going to, yeah. you know, be bored, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> uh, it was, you know, that we spent a lot of time talking. And after that, you know, just kind of one thing led to another, you know. Well, whenever whenever I talk to him, whenever we would discuss, you know, music journalism and stuff, and he he would always say to me, he goes, you know, there's a couple of guys I trust, Anthony DeCurtis, I trust that guy, he's a good guy. You know, and uh, you know, and, and believe me, he did not throw around compliments. You know, willy nilly oh, no. for journalists. You know, he's uh, uh, he was always suspect of them. But I'll tell you, the New York record, I think, is one of my favorites in in the Lou Reed catalog. I mean, I always thought, and always told him that I thought this should be like a Broadway show. You know, this should be like a big. Broadway show, you know, let Scorsese or somebody direct it and make it yeah, yeah. gutty, grimy. You know, they're kind of doing that now with the Deuce. I mean, I keep thinking every time I watch mm-hmm. yeah, the Deuce, that's interesting. Yeah. The, the whole soundtrack should be Lou Reed songs or Iggy. You know, I mean, I'm not picky, you know. 
But uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, that record uh, kind of encapsulated, you know, the the melees of the the mid nineteen eighties in my God. New York City. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. And you know, I mean, you put your finger right on it. I mean, there's such a cinematic quality. I mean, as as kind of stripped Amen. down and bare bones as as Lou's writing could be, it was also very cinematic. You know, there was there was always room for your imagination to wander into those songs and see those scenes. And Romeo you know, and Juliet, um, yeah. Dirty Boulevard. I mean, I, I Dirty, named yeah. I named we, my book Dirty Boulevard, and Lou wrote the introduction to it. Just uh, it it was one of those sets of lyrics that just ingrained itself into my brain and never left. Completely, and it was you know that was an exciting moment for him. I think he. Yeah, well, I think he was really feeling his powers. You know, I mean, he'd mm-hmm. you know been clean for a, you know a while at that point, and I think that element of having all of his faculties available to him, you know, and and you know at, at that time, you know, his marriage was good with Sylvia, yeah. and I I think and that band, was, you know, Fernando and uh, Tony and uh, Rafji yeah. and uh, Zumarat. Yeah. Those yeah. guys, I mean, when those guys played live, they were a wrath of God rock and roll outfit, man. Totally, totally. And um, and he, you know, had also stepped onto a bigger stage, you know, things like Amnesty International. You I bet. mean, Lou, you know, that that sense of engaging the larger world, you know. I mean, there was, I mean, one of the things, I, I'm a native New Yorker, you know, and uh one of the things I, I couldn't tell by the accent, Anthony. <laughs> oh, I see. All right, all right, all right. I, you know, one of the things I really liked about Lou was that he had this this certain kind of like provincialism that New Yorkers have. Oh, like, you bet. They think they know everything, but like on the other <laughs> hand, what go above Fourteenth Street? Forget it. You know, like this that kind of attitude. You know, and I you. I could never get him off of that Yankee fan thing, man. I could. <laughs> I tried, you know. I, I've tried with Steve Earle too. They're, they're Yankee fans. There's just no changing them. No, no, man. That's never going to go away. That's right in the DNA. And uh, he, you know, so for him to go like do shows in Africa and you know yeah. this kind of stuff with you know Peter Gabriel and Bruce and all of this stuff. You know, that was a big step for him, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and a good one. I think, you know, that, that period was, uh, yeah, I think all the cylinders were firing, you know. Yeah, amen. Excellent time. Amen. You know, and, and, you know, the record before that, you know, News Sensations, it was like a near miss. Well, I, you know, I like it a little better than that. I think yeah. I like that song. Oh, I like it a lot. A but... lot. Yeah, no, I get it. I know people. I've had this debate, you know. <laughs> I mean, I did, yeah. and, and it's fair, you know. I could argue the other side too, you know. It, I get what what had the ways in which it falls short, but the thing that strikes me is like the the kind of emotionality in songs like New Sensations, Amen, uh, or um, doing the things that we want to. You know, yeah. there's an element of. Um, I don't know, like kind almost, of seeing the world with new eyes, you know. And yeah, this is like, right I, after he got clean, and mm-hmm. and you know he felt like uh, he's he had a second act, you know. Yeah, and he, he and you know he didn't speak. I mean, as 
as you know, in a, in a certain way, you know, all of Lou Reed's characters and all those songs are elements of him, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a kind of you know sort of fractured autobiography going on in, in all of that songwriting, but you know, he rarely spoke personally, you know, directly. Yeah. And in those songs, you really feel like that's Lou speaking, you know, it, uh, and so that, you know, it's moving, it's moving in a way that, uh, in a particular way that it, it's hard to find yeah. elsewhere in his work, you know, it's very naked and very open hearted, you know. And, you know, dare I say in spots, luminously happy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and a willingness to be happy, you know. Get rid of all those people who are always on a down. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, absolutely. Lou Reed. Lou Reed. I mean, that's an incredible thing. I've I've thought about that, you know, myself in my own life, you know, just, you know, trying to get my own, you know, my own momentum and just mm-hmm. things I need to do. And it's just, you know, gravitate to the people who are giving you energy. Positive, who are absolutely. It, you know? yeah. Particularly you know, now, that, that, where we where we find ourselves in America right now, you know, we it's very sometimes hard to uh, find uh, the glass half full. You know, we yeah, live. you know, this is one thing when I think you know people say to me, and as you said, how much you miss Lou. You know, I certainly miss him, and so many people have you know have said that in in interviews I've you know done about the book. You know. Uh, you know, people have asked me, you know, what do you think Lou would be doing now if he was alive? You know, which is always a very speculative thing. But I just, I always mm-hmm. said, you know, the one thing about Lou that I feel, I, I, that Lou was spared the Trump presidency. Yeah. I, I feel like I think Lou would, he just would have exploded, I think. Lou would have gone yeah. after him with an ice pick. <laughs> I know, like, like that kind of stuff just drove Lou crazy. Absolutely, he didn't like bullies, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's right, and he didn't like fake bullies in particular. Yeah, like guy, candy you know? asses. Yeah, yeah, posers, you know, yeah. and the whole thing, everything about it would have just, I, I just think infuriated him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just just would never have stopped. I mean, he had a hard time with the whole. You know the PMRC and the people trying to label records and all of that. I mean, he, that whipped him up. You know, he hated that hypocrisy. You know. Oh yeah, I but remember then, when the Tipper Tipper Gorsuch yeah. was happening. It just drove him out of his mind. It's like uh, yeah, you know, the, wor- that, the word police. Yeah, that's like cotton candy compared to you know what we're dealing with now. Yeah, absolutely. Know? That was like stealing a so, pack of gum. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's um, like. A, one thing that uh, that is, um, I think that Lou got spared. That, that I feel almost a little grateful about because it would have, you know, I, it, there's no telling what would have happened. Well, you know, one of the things I read, I read in your your bio that fascinated me is you're a Grammy winner. Yeah, uh, I am. Yeah, for best album notes for uh, in our Clapton box set, and uh, yes. You, you've written you've written about some of the most kind of formidable figures in the rock and roll canon. You know, I was me and my son when we were discussing this. My, my son is less than half my age, so he grew up. His primary lingua franca was rap and hip hop. Well, yeah, sure, because, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much it's pretty much what it is today. I mean, yeah. there's there's really great rock and roll out there, but it's it's very underground. It's very DIY. It seems so. I don't know. It, it well, just seems everything commercially yeah. seems very hip hop and rap based. It seems there's no longer really a recording industry in a weird way. 
Yeah, in a sense, but it's it's still there. I mean, people are still trying to sign a deal. I mean, even though Chance kind of broke that mold, I guess, but it's people still sign deals. People still do that. We're we're in Chicago, uh, Anthony. So Chance is like a big deal here. He's one of our heroes. Actually, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he's huge everywhere. Uh, It um, and you know he's you know that thing of you know somebody. I mean, it, it's a gift when somebody has that ability to both, you know, handle all of the creativity, but also, you know, handle all of, you know, the kind of business end of things. Yeah, yeah. how it's disseminated. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I mean, business, I mean, going back to Lou for a second, I mean, somebody was, I was talking about that with someone like the first, you know, 20 years of, of Lou's career. I said, you know, I could have written a whole other book about lawsuits yeah you know there was lou suing his manager the manager suing lou the you know various members suing clive of, davis you know, remember yeah yeah there was like it's one thing after another you know that you know it was just very hard for lou to to get that part of his life into a place where he felt good about it and so when you see you know someone young like you know chance like really taking that Mm-hmm. You know, taking that bull by the horns, to use a cliche, you know, and really driving it. it um, it's impressive, you know, it's, and it's important. You, you know, know, one of the things I notice, and uh, um, Max and I were talking about before we uh, got on the line with you, was that um, Rolling Stone was really the first mainstream music magazine to really embrace rap and hip hop. You know, because some of them didn't, and uh, they're yeah. no longer here, you know? Yeah. Um, well, there was a sense in which, you know, it was, you know, a lot of it was like, I mean, I remember feeling like this is like what rock and roll was like, you know? Absolutely. Adults yeah. Raged, yeah. you know, like there's controversy, you know? On the other hand, you know, it sort of seems fun, and it's like a secret language, and, oh, you know, I always remember... You know, seeing an interview with Al Pacino where he's talking about he was playing Richard II and he was talking about Shakespeare's language. And, and you know, the person saying, you know, oh, it's difficult. He goes, oh, look, you know, yeah, it's difficult. But, like, when you encounter it, because it's like listening to hip-hop, man. Like, if you listen to those songs, uh-huh. you start picking it up, you know, and you start picking up the cadences. And yeah. Then you understand it. And, and I love that comparison because... You know, I mean, I went to graduate school in English, and that's I did all that stuff, and that yeah. is what it was like to me. It was just, God, what was that reference, and what did that mean? And you know, you see, you know, I, you know, I have students now. You know, you talk to them; they're way up inside it, and absolutely it's exciting. You know, you know, you know, one of yeah. the things, one of the things that seemed to be foreshadowing for rap and hip hop. Gil Scott Heron, uh, Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Lou Reed, Walk on the yep. Wild Side. I mean, I've yeah. heard rappers reference both of those songs. Well, you've seen Tribe sample Lou yeah, Reed. You've absolutely. Seen, you know, you've seen, like, even, you know, not to talk about him right now, but Kanye is, Gil Scott Heron influenced Kanye like no other. And in the middle of his yeah. concerts or just his recordings, he'll start going off on spoken word. At least in his yeah. older stuff, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that stuff is like, you know, I mean, that obviously is a real source, you know. And, uh, God, I mean, there, there are so many. I mean, I was thinking about the last poets. just Absolutely. Morning, you know, like, because there's all this talk about The thugs, remember menthol, the, menthol, you know. Yeah, menthol cigarettes, you know, and there's uh-huh. this line in a, in a last poet song. It goes, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, sipping on a menthol cigarette around midnight. And I always remembered that from the first time I heard it. I just thought, God, that sounds so cool, you know. And uh, they may be banned now, but you know, <laughs> I probably should be. But hopefully, yeah. It, uh, it uh, you know, there's a kind of there clearly was a kind of poetry, you know, very early on and all that stuff that yeah that carries through. Yeah, I, I just. Uh... You know, people were always, uh, you know, crediting Lou with being the godfather of punk rock. I, I also think he had a much longer reach. I mean, young artists that I know now are still, yeah, his, uh, his influence Lou. is still Absolutely. here for sure. You know, oh uh, yeah, he cast a very, very big shadow. Um, Without a doubt, you uh, know, there was um, he. I sort of got into an argument with a British journalist the other day. I was doing like a. Uh, you know, an interview for the BBC about Lou, and mm-hmm. they were talking, you know, this one was talking about, like, well, you know, I, I said something that to me just seems kind of obviously true, and I just said, look, every single aspect of what, you know, you might think of as kind of any kind of alternative rock and roll goes back to Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground. Amen. Was, yeah. Agreed. And she was like, well, do you think that's true of English bands as well? And I said, yes. <laughs> and she said, well, I don't think they would agree. And I said, look, whether they agree or not, or whether yeah. they even know or not, yeah, that's where it all goes back. Absolutely. Wherever they got it from, got it from there. You know, it, it, I said, where do you think David Bowie got it? You know, where, you know, it, I it, think it, one it, of my it, favorite quotes is from you that, um, you know, the Velvet Underground only sold about a thousand records, but everybody who ever bought one started a band. <laughs> yeah, I, I've used that quote. That's Brian Eno is, in, in fact, the person. Who oh, is that, that right? Yes. Well, I read it and I read it from you first, yeah. so. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll accept it. Amen, man. <laughs> you know, Take it. Well, Take not it. for the first time either. But it, uh, <laughs> that was, you know, that's a great thing, like. Because, you know, before the Velvet Underground, you wouldn't, you know, what band or, you know, rock and roll artist would you ever talk about? Oh, he was great, but he never had any hits. Like, you had hits or you didn't have hits. That's it. You know, but like that idea that you could not sell records, but you could have a massive influence just the way a poet might or a, mm-hmm. or a, a novelist might or a, a playwright might. You know, that is the Velvet Underground. You know, that mm-hmm. was the beginning of that for rock and roll. You, you know, know one, of the, one of the greatest Lou Reed stories I ever heard. Um, yeah, God, there were plenty of them, too. Oh, to this, this, this is priceless. He, he was walking around trying to find a party with Nico. And oh, God. You probably know this story. And um, I, uh, Nico had to pee, you know? Yeah. So... You know, Lou's walking around, and he says, and I've got every drug under the sun in my pockets. Yeah. <laughs> and Nico just goes and kind of leans up against a building and, uh, you know, squats and uh, takes a very elegant, very uh, European urination. And the cops roll up. And uh, window goes down. One guy goes, "Hey, you're Lou Reed." Yeah, yes, officer, I am. (laughs) So at this point, I think I'm probably going to go to jail. He goes, "Yeah, I'm a big fan. Walking the wild side. Yeah, that's great." Uh, hey, Lou, housebreak that broad, would you? <laughs> you know? Oh, my And he rolled God. off, you know. It's just <laughs> that like, is fantastic. 
fantastic. I never, now, I to, hear it lo- you, line, yeah. to hear it Lou's telling, it is much better and is much more <laughs> Rococo. You know, it's it's like yeah, a yeah, yeah. document of a night. But uh, just one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life, you know. And um, one time, you, when I got to know him well enough, I brought up the, the taboo topic of Lester Banks. Oh, and yeah. He goes, oh, Lester wow. Banks, that asshole OD on cough medicine. <laughs> you know, like, wow. Yep. Yeah. You know, he did. Yeah, that, that got rough, you know, with, with Lou and Lester. You know, I. I uh... And I admired both of them. And it's, it's like, uh, I, I feel bad that it, it was such a long-lasting acrimony yeah well lou lou had a long memory man i mean and and you know with somebody that um you know if you were good you were good and if you were bad you were bad you know he, yeah his and it, and if you moved from one category to the other you were very unlikely to move back yeah that you know? yeah. <laughs> um but you know it 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 it's you know I don't know it's about a, a kind of level of intensity that he yeah. had I think you know that um, and and I think it, Lou you know needed a certain kind of clarity to things he didn't like things to be fuzzy he didn't like things to be um, I, I don't think he he kind of didn't you know, like the gray I mean when you listen yeah, to no, records that is like exactly right yeah um, set the twilight re- reeling and and uh, songs for Drella in particular, which was you know about the twin losses of, of Andy Warhol and Doc Palmas. Um, you know he had very defined ideas about what was good and positive and what yeah. added meaning to the world and and what did not. Yeah, well, going back, I mean what. He really loved that Kanye album, Yeezus, yeah, to the point where it. he oh, gave it crazy this for it. amazing review. And it's like going back to Kanye there. He just, loved Outkast, too. I mean, Lou yeah, loved hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that that amazed me because, you know, that album came out and it was sort of a, a turning point for uh, his his Kanye's music and his career there. Yeah. And um he just loved it. What, yeah. Is there is there like a story to that, or is it just like Lou being just well? You know what part of the story is is um, you know even though we've been talking about him, uh, or maybe I've been talking about him almost exclusively like in literary terms. Mm-hmm. You know, he loved sound, and he loved you know people who could get interesting sounds. Yeah, and so you know he obviously liked you know, Kanye's wordplay and lyrics and mm-hmm. ability, you know, mm-hmm. is great. But I think Lou really heard that record as a record, you know? Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. That's what, that's what lit him up. You know, that is, you know, that's something that he would, you know, he would, you know, I, you know, I remember a conversation I had with him. I ran into him at a party and I had an advance copy of a Brian Wilson record. And you know, I didn't know if Lou Reed cared about Brian Wilson. You know, I, oh, he's yeah. a big you know, fan, man. Oh, yeah, huge. Exactly. That, <laughs> and in fact, I asked him, I said, look, he goes, well, how is it? And I said, look, I, I, you know, I, I said, look, I could go off. You know, I could talk about this, but I don't want to bore you if you're not interested. He goes, I'm very interested. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he wanted to know everything because, again, you know, Brian Wilson was somebody who could create a kind of world. In Absolutely. Absolutely, in his own world. I mean, as distinctive yes. as a fingerprint 
completely. Uh, you know, for Pet Sounds. I mean, it, you know, it was it had a seismic effect on how rock and roll was made afterwards. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Totally. You know, another. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I no, interrupted. Please, I'm just so excited. I'm, you know, <laughs> oh, getting back that. to what you said about uh, sound. You know, Lou's also fascinated in projects like the Black Rider, which he made with Robert Wilson, and uh, and performed over in Hamburg in Europe, and and uh, the the Edgar Allan Poe record, The Raven, yes, which a lot of people dismissed. And man, I I just thought. This is one of the most noble efforts by by a rock and roller I've ever heard. You know, um, I mean, he was very serious about uh, Poe, yes. and about and, uh, what Poe was trying to tell us about ourselves. Yes, oh no doubt. Like you know, man, the imp of the perverse. You know, that, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> why do I want to do bad things even though I know they're bad for me? Like you know, I mean, that in a sense is. The question of you know ninety five percent of Lou's characters I was you know are living in a yeah. world you know and you know I think that he you know and especially again you know as he got clean and then again when Laurie came into his life you yeah. know I think this kind of artistic realm of you know the way Laurie sure I'll take pictures or sure I'll make a movie or sure I'll make a, write a song or I'll play the violin like you know it's all available you know you just you know, you just have to try it. And that opened Lou up, you know, mm -hmm. so sure, collaborate, you know, and, you know, uh, you know, these kind of theater pieces and, uh, you know, these kind of song cycles based on writers and things like that. You know, I think that was something that really um, kind of inspired him and was a reflection of, of uh, you know, that, that positive space that he had entered. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, he he told me once. He said, "You know, after he met Lori, everything was possible." Wow. And, yeah. And now, in retrospect, I I understand that completely. Yes, that's the Twilight reeling. You know. Absolutely, you I mean, absolutely. Sort of Damocles, just one of my favorite songs in the world. Um, the finish line, you know. Of, yeah. Which which it, this came out about the same time that my father had passed away, and. Uh, oh wow! Well, you would have felt it. I listened to the finish line over and over and over again. And, um, you know, after Lou's passing, uh, I saw Laurie's film, The Life of a Dog, and it just yeah. absolutely devastated me. It just put me on the ground, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, because it's... It, it's a. It's not about Lou, and it's really about Lou, and it's. it's, it's yeah, that's right. Exactly. I, I mean, mean she's yeah, such an amazing artist. Um, you know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and a, a very extremely intelligent person. I remember. I remember the time I interviewed her, which was you know a while back before she was involved with Lou and stuff. But I remember walking out of that and thinking, "Man, that is serious business." Like, yeah, so, no yeah, kidding. Like, you know, this, you know, because, you know, people could look at her sometimes and think, you know, there's this kind of airy quality to mm -hmm. it. And, you know, but like, you know, she had ideas. And it's way specific. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know. It was Anthony, impressive. every time I ever met Lori, I felt like I am way not smart enough to be in this conversation. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, she's got a, 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 a ferocious intellect and, and curiosity. Yeah, and 
yeah, I've I've seen a couple of her performances, and they're just they're towering. I mean, they're kind of what every artist should aspire to in in their creative life. I mean, just remarkable, you know. Um, yeah, and there's a willingness again to just go anywhere, go anywhere that that you know that inspiration takes you. Yeah, you know that it's it's inspiring in itself to just encounter. I've never heard her say a negative thing, and I know that I, I, one of the things I'm happiest for my friend is that all of those years of his life with Lori, that he had her. Yes, absolutely. And that was, you know, that was not the most obvious pairing, you know, I mean, it, you <laughs> no. know, because, you know, there was you know, this quality of, like you say, you know, I mean, Lou's known for just like not pulling any punches and you know, everybody who ever worked with Lori, you know, just says, God, you know, God, how, you know, she's smarter though. She's so nice, you know, it's, yeah. uh, uh, but it was a nice balance. And I feel like the thing with Lori that also made that work was, you know, their relationship was her independence. You know, I think there was mm-hmm. a, I mean, Lou, I think would in, in previous relationships, you know, get people to, you know, I don't know, like want to take care of him or like, like that would be the invitation in a certain way. And, you know, you don't get any awards for doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, once, once you try to do it, you know, it, it, you know, you know, be his manager or whatever else, you know, whereas, you know, Lori was a fully established artist, you yeah. know, uh, and was, you know, living her own life, you know. Yeah, well, they were going, genuine peers, you know, there wasn't yeah. the imbalance of, uh, you know, uh, noteworthiness between them. I mean, they were both very right. established, you know, icons in, in the disciplines that they worked in. Right. So. Right. And it, and it, uh, and, you know, I think it, it sort of enhanced both of their creative lives also. You oh, know, precisely. I think that, you know, as we were, as I was, you know, was saying like, you know, Lou moved into that other, you know, Robert Wilson world of, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of a little bit more avant-garde and, you know, it, it, uh, you know, Laurie would do shows with Lou and, you know, be palling around with David Bowie and John Cale and these people that, you know, mm-hmm. were part of Lou's environment that also had a big overlap with the stuff that she was interested in. So it, you know, it worked very nicely in a, in a larger aesthetic and social way for both of them, you know? I remember one night having dinner with, uh, we went to Peter Luger's and I had dinner with uh, Lou Reed and Salman Rusty and my friend Mickey and a couple other art collectors. And I thought, man, I'm so lucky to be at this table. And I just listened, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, God, I was at a reception one time. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, you're talking to people, you're at a thing and, you know, people are coming into the conversation, they're leaving, you're moving around mm-hmm. and, you know, suddenly like, uh, you know, the configurations are shifting, everybody's having a drink, you know? And yeah. I, 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 so then I'm standing there at one point and I'm thinking, okay, this is me, Lou Reed, Laurie Anderson and Leonard Cohen. Whoa. And I, thought, <laughs> I was just, okay, how did this happen? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I just. I just have such a clear picture of that in my oh, mind. Oh, man. Exactly. Your, How your, cool is that? Table. I mean, I, I would have loved to be biting into one of those Peter Luger steaks while that was going on, but <laughs> it still was quite 
incredible. Oh man, I ate my weight in them. I can't. I had a quadruple <laughs> bypass. I had a quadruple uh, bypass three years ago, so those days are kind of over, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but sure. man, I miss them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah, mean that sure. I don't admire them, you know. Yeah. Um, well, look, you know it. Uh, you know we're all getting older, and uh, you know, having to. I mean, it's like it's almost like getting older is a you know a constant sort of pairing away of these uh, various habits. joys. Joys, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to be young, uh, <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, um, uh, you're going to be speaking uh, at the Lou Reed retrospective on December seventh yeah. uh, at at Miller in Miller Beach. Sorry, and. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be around 7 p.m. And this is uh, this is the five-year anniversary of, of uh, Lou's death. Lou's passing, and, uh, yeah. what, What's that going to be like? Or, or uh, you know, what... Well, what, we're going to know yeah, because we're going to make it a point to be there. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. love, oh, I'd love to join. Oh, great. We can uh, take yeah, an Uber out there. And I'm, I'm going to bring you a little something that... Uh, that Lou also had, because uh, you, you've been absolutely wonderful interview, and we're so thrilled to have you. But, uh, oh, God, that's so thoughtful. But yeah, it'd be great to meet you guys. Man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it'll be um, it'll be a good evening, I think. You know, it's it's an event uh, for Nelson Algren, you know, who lived there. Oh, he was right. my uh, uh, my other hero. And, you know, of yeah. course, the source of Walk on the Wild Side, and uh, you know, the man with the golden arm, and. You know, a writer that Lou admired a great deal. You know, oh, so I'll yeah. say a few things about that and read a little bit from the book and, you know, talk to people. But then, and this is <laughs> slightly kind of embarrassing, but nonetheless, um, I've been performing Lou Reed's songs with bands. And so oh, there's cool. a band that's going to back me up and we're going to do a set of uh, Lou Reed songs. Right on. Far man. out, man. Right on. That good, sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, I've been doing that a bit and been having a lot of fun with it. Like, I. Every time I was doing something, like when the book was first coming out, like people would invite me to come and do something. And then the, you know, the second question was always, well, you know a lot of musicians. You know, can you get somebody to play Lou Reed songs? And I'm thinking, man, you know, I spent a lot of time on this book. I, mean, I don't want to be overshadowed at my own <laughs> you know? like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, here's me reading. And then here's this fabulous musician singing Lou Reed songs, you know, so... I no, finally, I get it, man. I get it. You don't yeah, want any talk, ringers in the house, brother. Yeah, you know? So uh, I talked to, you know, when we launched it, like Suzanne Vega and uh, Richard Barone and Jeff Ross, who had played with Lou in the 70s. Oh, yeah. You know, they had all done interviews for the book, and they all knew Lou. And, and uh, you know, I sang a bit with them, and then I sang a bit with Richard at another show, and then a band in Georgia, you know, saw one of the clips and invited me down there to, to do a full set in a club, which I did do. And, Far you know, so we've been having some fun with that, you know, and, uh, and we'll be doing it up there, uh, you know, at the Nelson Algren event. And, Anthony, uh, did you hear the tribute that Joe Arthur did to Lou? Oh, I did. Oh, I God, it. is it gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. And, you know, the thing that was great was that it was so immediate. Like, yeah. right after... You know, Lou Dutt, I felt like he was so inside those songs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so inside that experience that it it was like quite a tribute, you know, to um, to that work. When I saw him do Walk on the Wild Side on Letterman, I, I just I yeah. turned into a puddle, man. I just completely bitched up. I just, you know, just that destroyed me. You know? And that, I think that's when the fact that, that Lou was gone really landed for me. Yeah. You know, it was amazing 
the outpouring when Lou died. And I don't think anybody would have been more surprised by it than Lou. Than him, you know, yeah. That, you know, it it, it was incredible. Like, cause at, you know, there was that huge outpouring at first. And you thought, God, you know, this feels about right. He deserves this, you know. And mm-hmm. and then it just never stopped. No. <laughs> you know, it, it just no, not ever. It, not yeah. ever. I mean, yeah. there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him. You know, um, he's, you know, I have a, I have a couple of, uh, you know, mentors, Steve Earle, Lou Reed, and, uh, yeah, it would have been, yeah, you know, I, I think about, it's awesome to know that I, I, I kicked his ass when I was five, you know, but (laughs) I, I also, I I think back, but I think back and I think, uh, man, it would have been awesome to see him one more time as like a, a a grown adult a little bit. He played Lollapalooza here. And I don't know where you were that night, but we... I, I we saw were, him at Lala, yeah, actually. Yeah. You were backstage, I think. I was in the crowd, but um, yeah. We went and had dinner that night and had uh, yeah, just I a mi- marvelous I miss, time. I think I missed you know? that, but um, I did see his show, and it, it was that was kind of my last... Well, what was great is he played, he played uh, Metal Machine music. Yeah, no, yeah, that was oh, like right. his last... Yeah, yeah was the last was one. Notoriously panned when it first came out, and... Uh, he that was regarded well, it as confused kind of some of the crowd plastic, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I got to tell you, he he, you know, the, the crowd that was there for him, man, they were all in. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. So. Oh, totally, totally. He was, and he loved nothing more than that. Like the record that was panned when it came out, that then is rediscovered. He loved that, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> that, uh, you know, just like uh, you know, revenge is sweet. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a dish best served cold. Yeah, and, completely. Exactly. <laughs> Anthony DeCurtis, promise us when you come through Chicago, we can sit down and do this live and let me and Max take you out to dinner. Oh, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Are you kidding, man? This is so great. Yeah, and, we, uh, we've so I enjoyed this. I really this. feel like so many times I was thinking, like, uh, you know, we'll, I'll turn the tables on you, man, when we're having dinner because I have a lot that I want to know about your experiences. So All right, man. It was really fabulous. Yes. Uh, I cannot wait to meet you in person, which I will December 7th, Miller Beach, the Nelson Algren Festival. Our pal, new pal, Anthony DeCurtis, will be there. Yes, Thank sir. you again, sir. Kid, All take right. us Thank out. Thank you so much, for, and I'll see you soon. Thank see you, you soon. Anthony. This was great. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 58th episode. 58. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Drink their beer. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Chris Bat. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. We are currently showing Raptors by Damara Kamenecki in Adventureland Gallery, and we are showing Who in the Dime? Suzette Bowan. Suzette from Los Bowan. I did not want to butcher her name, but yes, we are showing her at the Dime. Uh, want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions to ask Max and Tony? Then go to the Show.com. That's the Show.com. And then tune in next time for our 59th episode. 59, 59, 59. All right. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Eat a lot of turkey because I had to eat pulled pork last year. See ya.